Welcome to the Victory Devotional Podcast. I'd like to invite you to take the next few minutes to connect with God, hear His voice, and respond in worship and prayer. Here's today's message. Good morning again. We're continuing our series on Isaiah, and today we're reading from Isaiah 44. Now, as we begin, I'd like to show this to you. This is uh, something I use uh, for when I need to sleep at night and the light is still on. Kapag nagbabasa pa yung wife ko, silet. O kaya when I need to nap, you know, in the middle of the day. Now, ito okay lang itong gamitin sa gabi. Kaya lang, if you use this during the day and you walk around with this, you know, that, that doesn't, that, that's not right at all, right? Now, sometimes in our relationship with God, we actually walk with God with things like that on our eyes. There's something in our lives that obscure our vision of God. The passage that we're going to read in Isaiah 44 is actually, um, it's God revealing Himself, who He is, and also contrasting Him uh, to the picture of what idols are. So this time we're reading from Isaiah in uh, chapter 44. We'll begin reading from verse 6. It says here, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God who is like me. Let Him proclaim it. Let Him declare it and set it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock I know not of any. Verse 9. All who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. Their witnesses neither see nor know that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a god or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble. Let them all stand forth. They shall be terrified. They shall be put to shame together. Jump to verse 18. They know not, nor do they discern. For he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their, uh, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say half of it. I burned in the fire. I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and have eaten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray. And he cannot deliver himself or say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Now that was a bit of a lengthy passage, but it was important for us to be able to get the picture of how God Himself describes Himself. It's like a self-disclosure, a self-revelation of who God is. And then, His perspective on idols. He says, you know, half of it you would use to be able to cook your meat, and then half of it you would fashion into an idol, and then you would, you would worship a block of wood. And is that not absurd? Rather than worshiping the one and true God. In fact, um, those there are certain things in our lives that may not necessarily be physical idols. There could, they could be things that capture our hearts and they obscure our vision of God such that you might be walking with God, but you're not seeing God clearly for who He is. So let's journey together back to that passage and see, Lord, paano ba yon? Is there a possibility for, those, uh, for those, uh, the things that block my view of you to be removed? 
And how can that happen? How can I know you better? How can I understand you better? And if that's and, and if if that will at all benefit me, I mean, what will be the effect on my life if I would see God clearly for who He is? Back to verse six. This is God's self-description. He says, "Thus says the Lord. He is the Lord, the King of Israel. He is the King of Israel, and His Redeemer." Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Think about that for a moment. You know, when God would describe to you himself, to, uh, himself to you as Lord, King of Israel, Redeemer, Lord of hosts, first and last, no God besides me. I, wow. Lord, na. Well, you are Lord. It means like you're the ruler of my life. I should not submit myself to anyone else. You're the king of Israel. I mean, how do I treat you if I know you to be the king? And for us, not just the king of Israel, the king of kings. How will I respond to you, Lord, if I know you to be redeemer? Lord, you've redeemed my life from the pit. Now, if you're the Lord of hosts, that means God is the Lord of the armies of heaven. You're talking millions upon millions of angels. And one angel is able to destroy uh, more than 180,000 Assyrians in one night. That's powerful for, for you to understand that God is the Lord of millions of angels. That He is the first and the last. That He is from the beginning and He will still be there at the end. Which means if He's the first and He was the one who created me, then I belong to Him. And if He is the last, then I could trust Him because He endures. And then God says, no God besides me. That's who God is. That's how wonderful, majestic, that's how powerful who God is. Now, what is, who is God in contrast with the idols? Now, in verse 8, further God would say, Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. Then in verse 9, All who fashion idols are nothing. And the things they delight in do not profit. So, in, there is no profit. It's almost like God is saying, and Isaiah is repeating it, there is no profit. There are witnesses neither seen nor know that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a God or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? God says, you know, that first He gives a perspective of who He is. Then now He gives His perspective on idols. They are profitable for nothing. Now, I know in their time, you're talking about um, images. I mean, literally made out of wood or rock, images of animals, things they worship, especially the nation surrounding Israel. They worship uh, those idols. Now, in the history of the church, there's been a lot of controversy as well in the worship of images and statues. But statues, I think, uh, statues, yes. I think it actually goes way beyond that. Because idolatry does not only refer to physical things like that, but anything that your heart trusts aside from God. Anything that your heart trusts more aside from God. I'll give you an example. What do you trust in for provision? I mean, do you trust God that He'll be able to provide for you? Or do you trust in your underhanded dealings? And your, uh, your under-the-table uh, you know, um, deals or being able to take bribes and uh, being able to get, um, to, to get income in ways that are more than what you should get, but you just know it somehow violates your integrity or morality. Which one do you trust in? 
Um, what do you trust in for progress? Do you trust God that He'll be the one to promote you as you continue to be faithful? Or do you find ways to manipulate situations? Do you take shortcuts? Do you step on other people uh, so that you could advance ahead of them? Who do you trust to? Uh, who do you trust in for healing? Do you trust God who is the healer? Or do you just trust in you know, what, you, what this world is able to offer, medicine and its limitations and other spiritual things that are apart from God that might possibly you know, uh, give you that healing that you desire? Who do you trust in for salvation? Are you still one of those? Do you still trust in your ability to save yourself, to be able to do good deeds so that you could get yourself closer to God and somehow uh, convince Him to make you enter heaven? Or have you already come to the point and recognized that, oh, you cannot save yourself? And none of all of those good things or good works that you do could actually amount to your salvation, but that you need a Savior, someone who is perfectly righteous, that is in the person of Jesus. And that you, you recognize that when He died for you at the cross, that was actually Him paying for your debt, for your penalty of your sins. And that now you can actually put your trust in Him and receive His righteousness. Who do you trust in? So it's not just about worshiping physical things. But it's actually understanding what your heart trusts in more than God. Let's continue the description. The first, the first, pers- God's, the first perspective of God on idols is that these idols are profitable for nothing. Now, you might be able to gain a few things in terms of progress, provision, or healing in the short term. But you just know in the end, these things might destroy you instead. Now, Isaiah continues, verse 19. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, half of it I burned in the fire. I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and have eaten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? Do you you see how that's phrased? The absurdity of worshipping a block of wood that's actually just a portion of fuel that you use to be able to cook your food. And yet, that's a very, very strong picture of idolatry. Apparently, the things that we trust on, aside from God, would not amount much to anything, and they have no power to save you, to benefit you, or to even solve your problems or your issues in the long run. How many times have we been disappointed by these things that we've looked onto, aside from God? Now, um, how would you respond if your uh, child would come back to you as a father say, and say, Dad, uh, I know, um, I just send me to college and you don't need to even visit me anymore. Just uh, send me money. Just send me your allowance. And uh, you can actually disappear from my life already. <laughs> I don't really need you much. I just need your allowance. So, how would you respond to that if your child would tell you that? I mean, yeah, exactly. You'll probably feel insulted, but more than that, grieved. Grieve that you have been reduced. You, a father who loves your child, you have been reduced to an ATM machine. <laughs> and your child has, uh, has uh, replaced you or uh, has uh, looked at money as something that's way more valuable than you. That's a picture of idolatry. That we would um, demean the value of who God is to something so small, something so trivial compared to who God is and how great His love is for us. Let me give you another example. Uh, Think about um, a very beautiful actress or a very handsome actor. Sino yung mga ganun mo? Yung mga talagang feeling mo, uy, ibang klase ito. Ito nang pinakagwapo sa lahat ng gwapo sa buong mundo. Okay, now, now. 
Now, what if I make a sketch of that person? No, no, no. Instead of making a sketch, I'm going to craft something real life to be able to represent that person in your mind. Now, I'm not a magician, so I can actually conjure it right here. But think about it. In order for me to represent the actor or the actress in your mind, I would now present you, and mag um, excuse na po ako sa maaaring kumakain, but what if I would now present you as a beautiful representation, as the best representation I could make for the person in your mind, how beautiful or handsome that actor or actress is, and then I would present you with animal poop. What would you think? Exactly. Your reaction would be, that is in no way a representation of this guy or this girl. No way. Ang layo naman yan. In fact, it is so demeaning. Sobrang layo. Hindi ba pwede? Could not even, does not even come close. Now think about the idols in our lives. Whether those be the things that we fashion from wood or stone, the things that we bow down to, whether that be physical images, or whether that be the things that our, that, that our hearts trust in, they don't even compare to the glory, to the majesty of who God is. He's the first and the last. He's your Redeemer. He's the King of Israel. He is the Lord of hosts. And you would reduce Him to a block of wood? Now we understand why God is so repulsed by the idea of idolatry. Now, you probably encountered this in Scripture already. You'd hear God say, I am a jealous God. I am jealous for you that you would worship me only. Where's that coming from? I mean, is God insecure? Na kailangan niya tayo para i-worship siya, para he will feel good about himself? I don't think so. Because God in Himself is already complete. He does not lack anything. In fact, He does not need you. The reason why He is involving Himself in your life is because of His great love and mercy. He does not need to. He owes you nothing. But, and yet, he would, he would give of Himself completely to you. He even died for you at the cross. And He would even give you promises. And He wants, you to, he wants to draw you to Him. Why is that? It's because out of God's great love, He wants to give Himself to you the greatest good in the universe. He is the greatest good in the universe and He is the greatest good that you will ever have in your life. God offers Himself to you and He says, I am jealous for you that you would worship me only. So in fact, God is saying this, because if you worship anything else, you're actually worshiping something so substandard compared to who I am. And you will not experience the best, the best that this life, that this universe can offer. And so God is saying, I'm jealous for you that you would worship me only so that you might experience me the greatest good that you will ever experience in this universe because I love you, because I would like to give of myself to you because I decided to be merciful to you. That's the reason why God is jealous. And if you would choose anything else to worship, it would result in your destruction. How do we know that? The last part of the passage would say this. Verse 20, talking about the person who worships idols. He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray, and he cannot deliver himself or say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? The picture of one who depends on idols is this. He feeds on ashes. He has a deluded heart. He is led astray. He cannot deliver himself. He is holding on to a lie. Our encouragement to you, 
forsake all idols and worship God only. Jeremiah would echo the same thing. Jeremiah is another prophet. And we find this in Jeremiah chapter 2 in verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And you see there a clear contrast, the fountain of living waters, living water, and then a cistern. It's like a man-made, a man-made container out of rock that you put water in, and it's broken, it's dirty, and it's very limited, and it does not even contain water. And you replace, you replace the fountain of living water with something, with a cistern that's broken. Is that really the right that you'd like to take in your life? Yes, our encouragement to you as we continue growing in our walk with God, forsake the idolatries of our hearts and let's worship God only. These things that are, that obscure the way we see God, they're probably idols in our lives. Would you be willing to remove those blinders now and walk around in your relationship with God without anything that obscures your vision of who God is? Allow me to pray with you now and lead you in prayer as we forsake these things that obscure our vision of God, that we forsake these things that we might be trusting in and holding on to aside from God, that finally we might be set free and now come to understand who God really is. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord, katulad po, mag-aasama po kami rito. Father, we forsake the idolatries of our hearts, the things that we trust in more than you. Lord, I'm asking you now that you would deliver us from these things. Lord, we divest ourselves, Lord, of these things. We forsake them now. Lord, we forsake our trust in these things. And we say, Lord, forgive us. Now, Lord, allow us to come back to you, Lord, completely. To let go and to come back to you completely. Lord, that you, that we might understand who you are. That you would reveal yourself more to us. And that we would understand the highest good of worshiping you alone. Lord, thank you. Lead us back to you now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. How can I forget you? How can I forget you? How can I forget the love that set me free? How can I forget you? How can I forget you? How can I forget the love Set me free Jesus I surrender Jesus I surrender Open up my heart to all your plans for me Yes Jesus I surrender Jesus I surrender Open up my heart to all your plans for me
Let me pray on you now. Lord, I speak a blessing on every single one of us and each one of our families. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and grant you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everyone. You've been listening to the Victory Devotional Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this will help you build a habit of hearing from God every day. If you'd like more messages like these, you can follow us on Spotify or on our Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to watch these messages, you can watch them every weekday morning on our Victory PH Facebook page.